0: Turns out they really are coming after your guns, after all. Our guest today will explain what the feds are up to, coming up on this special edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We're the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 331 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show for Wednesday, January 25th, 2023. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time, a lot of people having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refused to even mention. And August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the on the home of a former president of the United States, is a day that shall live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. And make sure you check out our new conservative sports podcast, Red Pill Sports, with my friend Donnie Copeland. It drops Tuesday evenings at 11 p.m. Central. Well, it's an honor to welcome our next guest to the Doc Washburn Show, Larry Correa, a best-selling novelist famous for his Monster Hunter series, is a popular blogger who writes frequently about Second Amendment rights. His famous essay, An Opinion on Gun Control, was an Internet sensation with more than a million reads, and he has written for national publications on gun laws and self-defense. Larry Correa has worked as a gun store owner, firearms instructor, and military contract accountant. His brand-new book is entitled In Defense of the Second Amendment. Given what the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives just did, it would be a really good idea to just go ahead and order your copy of In Defense of the Second Amendment right now. Forewarned is forearmed. Brother Korea, we're delighted to have you on the show today. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Now, for my listeners who may not have heard about this uh, recent news item, what is a pistol brace? What did the ATF just proclaim about pistol braces, and why does this put our Second Amendment rights in jeopardy? Uh,
1: well, the pistol brace uh, is something that's been around and perfectly legal to buy for about 10 years now. Uh, and, and what it is is on larger pistols, it would it would be a thing that you would mount onto the back of the gun. Um, the idea was they would go around your arm or you could brace it against your body for balance, but also they could be shouldered. And so when this came out, uh, we were looking at it and said, are you sure this is legal? This is not uh, a legal short-barreled rifle, and the ATF said it's legal. They went back and forth, but uh, at first they tried to say, don't hold it wrong. <laughs> but uh, we uh, we sold millions and millions of these, uh, tens of millions of them, in fact. Uh, I, an unknown number of Americans purchased these. They're perfectly legal. You could go into any sporting goods store uh, and buy one of these, and it was perfectly fine. And a couple weeks ago, under the... Uh, the ATF released new rules that that suddenly declared that these were going to be illegal short-billed rifles. And we now have 120 days to register them with the government as short-billed rifles or we're felons, or we have to destroy them or turn them into the ATF. And this affects millions and millions of us. Uh, there's a lot of people, unfortunately, listening to this right now. They, they probably have one of these and don't even realize
0: yeah, I haven't uh, even heard about the uh, the new rule, and um, obviously this goes into a bigger question of uh, the bureaucratic state, the administrative state. The fact that uh, a lot of us kind of thought um, shouldn't shouldn't Congress pass laws and uh, get them either signed into law or vetoed by the president, and if they're vetoed, see if they can override the veto. All that kind of stuff. In other words, the idea. That a bureaucracy like the ATF would have enough power um, to potentially make millions of law-abiding Americans into uh, into, into felons—that's that's crazy. I mean, yeah. do you do you, be, do you yeah. believe the ATF rule change will be struck down in federal court? I mean, what are these knuckleheads thinking?
1: I, I hope it is. It's hard to tell. I and mean, you guessing what a court's going to do is like picking lottery numbers. Yeah. That yeah. said. According to recent Supreme Court decisions, this is, uh, this is pretty blatantly unconstitutional. And I think the Supreme Court, as it stands right now, especially Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito, they're going to, uh, they're going to crush this. That said, that could take years. Um, mm. because this is nationwide and it's affecting the entire country, I'm hoping that some judge, uh, steps in and puts a stay on this in, the, in that 120 days. But I don't know if that's going to happen or not. In the meantime, uh, millions of us are felons. So, and, and every day, and the thing is, this is a 293-page law. Uh, it's not a law, it's a rule that the ATF made up, not passed by Congress. Congress has never passed a law about any of this stuff, so it's massive federal overreach. Uh, it's, the, it's a federal bureaucracy just overstepping its bounds. It's the executive branch making up the law. And this law is super dangerous in what it does to people because there's going to be a lot of unwitting people who get rolled up in this. They they don't keep up on gun news. They don't uh, they don't keep up on uh, the courts. And they have one of these in their closet, because they bought one at Cabela's or Sportsman's Warehouse. And, and uh, they come across a federal agent with this. They're going to prison for 10 years. Law-abiding citizens.
0: Yeah, you had a really good um, article in townhall.com the other day talking about this. A 70-year-old lady who might have bought this thing uh, to make it easier to protect and defend her home. She had, knows nothing about anything um, news-related as far as this thing coming down the pike. And all of a sudden, she she could get uh, slapped to the 10-year prison sentence. And uh, if she doesn't have good money for a good attorney uh, to appeal this thing, um, she's in a world of hurt.
1: Yeah, the ATF's not known for its discretion or nuance. They're an agency known for shooting your dog and burning your house down. Uh, and this is them giving themselves the authority to to just mess with with, with all these people who have done nothing wrong. And the thing is, the ATF justifies it. Um, in their 293-page ruling, they justify it by saying, well, this is enables powerful weapons to be concealed and shouldered and, and fired. Well, we have concealed carry in most of the states. Uh, and in fact, the Supreme Court uh, just said that all states should have it. Um so the concealed thing I don't see how they can rule on that but it gets really interesting deep buried deep in that 293 pages they cite how many crimes these brace guns have been involved in and not just crimes investigations yeah. that justify the ATF 105 over over uh,
0: 7 years 105 so seven in, years. 105 investigations not all of which uh led to criminal charges Yep the,
1: so that, that justifies messing with millions and millions of Americans, 105 investigations. It's, 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 it's unbelievable that the overreach the, the federal executive branch overreach on this is astounding. Um, but they did this, they did the same thing a few years back when they did under the Trump administration, the ATF did the same thing with bump stocks, right? Now, that did get shut down in uh, the Fifth Circuit Court, but that took four years mm. before that uh, that uh, circuit court decision. And just think of all the people who are going to get in trouble with the law over the over how, if, it, if this takes four years, it's going to be bad.
0: Now, you mentioned something right off the bat, which kind of uh, perked my ears up, that this new ruling from the ATF would make the pistol brace an illegal short-barreled rifle. And so the question that immediately sp- sprung to my mind was why why are short-barrel rifles illegal? I mean, you know, guns shoot bullets and the idea is self-defense and whether the barrel's long or the barrel's short, you know, uh, gun control should be, you know, uh having a good aim at the target. Why, why are short-barreled rifles illegal?
1: Yeah, it goes back to a, a really horrible law from the 1930s called the National Firearms Act. And originally, uh, this is, a uh, original plan was they were going to also include pistols on this. So it was going to be pistols, and uh, they had the provision, that all, this is the law that banned uh, the sale of machine guns to mm. regular people. You had to jump through all their hoops and pay an exorbitant tax. So basically it was a, it was a racist and bigoted law, classist law that only rich people could have machine guns is what it was. But originally they're going to have pistols on there too. So they put a thing in there that uh, any uh, rifles with barrels shorter than 16 inches or shotguns shorter than 18 inches were going to be illegal too. And that was kind of to stop people from working around the pistol ban. Only they pulled the pistol ban out <laughs> when Congress passed it. So we kept the short barreled part even though that makes no sense. Um, so it, it's, it's a completely nonsensical law. It doesn't make any logical sense, but we've been stuck with it for 90 years. Um, and there's been some, uh, cases of ATF massive overreach on this. So this is even more overreach on a thing that shouldn't be, uh, controlled to begin with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, I I'd, I'd heard about that 1934, um, uh, firearms act because, I live in the state of Arkansas, and in the last legislative session, they were trying to push a a bill uh, that would criminalize Arkansas law enforcement cooperating with federal law enforcement on unconstitutional laws, and they specifically mentioned the 1934 Firearms Act. And (laughs) a lot of us were, were cheering on the legislators that that had the uh, the guts to, to put something out there like that. And, and of course, the the governor decided, well, oh, no, 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 we want to be moderate Republicans. So, anyhow, it's all another show. Um, so our listeners, uh, Larry, tend to be strong believers in the Bill of Rights, including our Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. But you never know when some actual gun grabbers might be listening. So let's have some fun and blow their minds. Larry Correa. Uh, author of the new book in defense of the Second Amendment, why are you a big proponent of letting teachers be armed in school?
1: Oh boy, that 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 is one that gets them stirred up. <laughs> um, my state actually has that. Um, the city of Utah, we have had uh, concealed carry in schools for a very long time. I think we're coming up on eighteen or twenty years now that we have allowed anybody with a concealed weapons permit to carry a firearm into school. So if you work there and that's your job. You just, it's like having a concealed weapons permit anywhere else. Yeah. And the thing is, uh, when I say I'm in favor of arming teachers, uh, a lot of people freak out because they think I'm talking about making it mandatory and forcing everyone to do it. No, of course not. It's voluntary. It's strictly voluntary. It's the same people who would carry a gun everywhere else. Uh, I mean, I, like in Arkansas, I'm sure you, I mean, you guys are a gun-toting state. Concealed carry is super common. A lot of people carrying guns there. Yeah. Same kind of thing here. It's the same people who carry guns everywhere else. Just let them carry guns at work. The gun stays concealed. The Kids don't even know it's there. The only time the gun ever gets produced is in case of a life or death situation. And we've had this for a long time here, so all the stuff that people freak out about doesn't happen. We have had cases where teachers, armed teachers, have intervened in violent situations. Um, We actually had a kidnapping prevented. Someone was kidnapping a kid from a school, and an armed teacher stopped them uh, not too long ago. Wow. And so this works. And what I'm getting at here, and why this is so important, is I, I go into this in a lot in the book, but mass killings take place in gun free zones, period. And as long as schools are gun free zones, they're a hunting preserve of innocent people. And bad guys will specifically target those places. And what stops mass killers is a violent response. And that violent response can either be immediate by someone who's already there, or it can be whenever the cops get there. And that could be five minutes, ten minutes, an hour. Uh, as we saw in Texas not too long ago. And that's awful, because the longer that bad guy has to work, the more innocent people are going to get hurt, and more innocent people are going to get killed. Uh, and so the only way to stop these guys is a violent response, and I would rather that response be from a guy who's right down the hall and could be there in a matter of seconds than somebody, you know, even if you've got the greatest police response time in the world, it's minutes. And uh, the bad guys know this. Uh, we, we've seen them talk about this. They have written about this in their manifestos. The bad guys know that.
0: Yeah, they, they do. And I would think in Utah, you're not going to have a Uvalde, Texas. You're not going to have a Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut. You're not going to have a, a Virginia Tech uh, situation where I think some, 30, 32 people, something like that, were were murdered uh, back in the uh, the mid-2000s. Um, that 's not going to happen but let let me ask you um there was a federal bill passed in the early nineties pushed by joe biden um to outlaw uh guns on public school campuses um i 'm trying to remember the name of it um,
1: the uh, federal gun free school
0: zones act okay federal
1: gun free schools act uh, 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 I do cite that in the book, and yes, Joe Biden was one of the one of the main people on that. He has cursed us. Every, he's he's been a curse
0: on America for a very long time. Right, right, right. So the most of the your school shootings happened after that. So at some point, did somebody in Utah say, "Hey, we don't want that happening here. We're going to pass a law, and uh, you know just." hoping that it would, would stand and, and nobody would take it to the U.S. Supreme Court, because this, this is great. I mean, we need to overturn this this federal law, which passed overwhelmingly. Um, but in the meantime, states need to take this responsibility.
1: Yes, yeah, so and the states do have the ability to thwart that uh, in, their, in, their, in their laws. Uh, and several states uh, also have this, or they have some sort of provision uh, for Army teachers in their law, Um, For example, like Texas, where we just had this school shooting uh, last year. They actually have it, so you can't have armed teachers. However, they have it by a district-by-district basis. Ah. So it's up to basically like your school superintendent. So they could have had an armed teacher. And there were teachers who sacrificed their lives trying to stop this guy, but they're unarmed. Um, It's up to your local, in Texas, it's up to the local school district. and uh, So if your superintendent is a cowardly leftist, who would rather, you know, listen to moms demand action than concerned parents, you wind up with uh, nobody having armed teachers. So I like the way we have it here. It's just basically we had a really good attorney general, because uh, most of the schools said, you know, yeah, sure, it's legal for them to have a gun here, but we'll fire you. You know, the school district will fire you if a teacher carries a gun. Yeah. But we had a really good attorney general says, look, you're a state entity. As a state entity, you must obey state law. Uh, and then when I first got involved in gun rights, we had this same fight with our university system. Our universities were saying, well, we're a university. We're going to ban guns. Yeah. And once again, the Attorney General was like, nope, you, you're a state entity. You have to base state law. And we fought this fight, and we've had guns in school here ever since.
0: Uh, Gun-Free School Zones Act of 1990. I think that's the, that's the one I was looking for. But it is horrendous. And, you know, trying to talk to a liberal about this, it 's just nuts, you know you bring up the hey criminals don 't obey the laws and, and it 's just like a friend of mine once said it 's impossible to get a liberal to get to go from point A to point c it 's hard enough to try to get them to go from point A to point b it 's just you know uh, good luck on that
1: yeah well one of the one of the things I try to do with this book is I have two two audiences in mind, people who are already on my side, people who believe in the second minute. My goal is I want to give them facts. I want to arm them with good arguments and help them articulate a good uh, a good position. Yeah. And I just want to I want to help them. But the second group is the people who are kind of on the fence, and they they've been lied to their whole lives. They've been lied to by the news. They've been lied to by politicians. Uh, and and so I try to lay this book out in a way that I go through every gun law. I go through every proposal and how this stuff actually works. And just to kind of try to give them a tool. And so this is the kind of thing that you, you have a husband who has, who wants to have a gun in the house, but his wife won't let him. I mean, I've seen that, you know, get get this book to your wife and and, and try to get her to read it. Yeah. And so, it, but yeah, you can get some, and then on the gun grabbers, you know, there's two classes there. There's the the ones that are just kind of like, in the words of Stalin, they're the useful idiots, are the ones that get lied to and emotionally manipulated. Yeah. But then there's most of them... Uh, the, they're, the, they're the vultures. They're the ones that are just perched waiting for some horrible thing to happen. So they could swoop in and push for more gun control and more. It's not even really about gun control. It's about control yeah. and it's about them getting more power and more authority and having us be the, the enemy. So those people I, I don't expect to reach. I don't think Shannon Watts is going to buy a bunch of cases of this book.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, and and in your book you make it clear that they're vultures uh, in politics and also vultures in the mainstream media, right
1: absolutely the media I, I will say this and I say this in the book I, they are I believe they're directly complicit in these mass murders and and you could watch this unfold in real time they 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 reward the criminals with what the criminals want they, they want to be famous, they want to be powerful, uh, they want to be seen as like great and important, and the media will give it to them they 'll put them on the cover of magazines. Uh, the president of the United States will talk about how, how, how tragic this is and let's all talk about this guy's manifesto. Yeah, And so they keep doing it. And that's why we see clumps of them. Uh, that's why you'll have one, and then a few days later you'll have another because the second loser will see the first loser become, like, the most famous guy in the world. He's like, I'm going to do that too. Copycat, and, yeah. Yep, they, and they, they do this. And the media is so awful. that You can see them. They get gleeful when this happens. And, and you can watch it unfold in real time, because what will happen is they'll start reporting on it before there's any facts known, and they'll just start making stuff up. They'll blame it on whoever they don't like at the time. They'll, they'll talk about gun control. They'll talk about, you know, whatever gun they want to ban. Like right now, it's the AR-15, because that's really popular. Uh, they'll talk about whatever group they want to malign. Oh, it's probably a MAGA Republican. Sure. But then the facts come out, and it's not what they say it is. is. Uh, they'll If the story can't be twisted, they'll drop it. Oh, yeah. And uh, you can see they're disappointed. They're they're literally sad that not enough people died, or the wrong kind of people died, or it wasn't done by the right kind of killer.
0: Especially and, uh, the last, there, it wasn't done by the right kind of killer, because there have been a number of mass shootings in recent years that, once they find out who the killer is, the media drops it.
1: Absolutely, I and I use examples in the book, and it's it's so flagrant. They've been doing this for 30 years. The 30 years that i have been involved in this, they've been doing this. Uh, they've just become more uh, blatant and ham-fisted and clumsy about it in recent years. They they don't even try to hide it anymore. Um, if there's a mass shooting and they say, the killer is in custody, he's a man. <laughs> and that's the description. Yeah, You know that it's going to drop out of the news tomorrow. It'll be out of the news cycle tomorrow. But if it's anybody they can tangentially relate to people they don't like, they will... They will glom onto the story. It'll be 24 twenty four seven uh, media coverage, nonstop, round the clock for weeks.
0: Yeah, I remember the Aurora, Colorado theater shooting, and Brian Ross, ABC News. Uh, the 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 name of the um, of the murderer was was a fairly common name, and Brian Ross found somebody in the state of Colorado, with the same name, and there apparently were a number of people with the same name, but he found the one guy who was like a Tea Party Republican, and boy, he was off to the races on on ABC Good Morning America, and people were like, "Uh, Brian, wait a minute. Are you sure this is the same guy? And then more recently, last year, I believe it was Colorado Springs, there was a grocery store shooting, a mass shooting, and when they find out that the guy was a Muslim who was from another country? All of a sudden, you don't hear anything more about it.
1: Yeah, it's it's so blatant, and it's a pattern that's been repeated hundreds and hundreds of times. It's it, they're they're an extremely profoundly dishonest and yes, even evil group of people who are using the, the deaths of innocent people to further their political uh, their political machinations, and it, it's it's gross. It's disgusting.
0: Okay, so um, a few minutes ago you mentioned the um the current resident of the Oval Office of the White House. So this brings me to this. Um Joe Biden seems to think that the second amendment is meaningless since the federal government has nukes and drones and tanks. He talks about this uh regular basis. Well, your AR-15 is not going to help you because we got F-15s. Uh as if he is You know, imagining there's going to be some kind of uh, armed civil war. So anyway, if the Republican Party had the good sense to nominate you for president, and dementia Joe said something like this in a debate, how would you respond? Well, first I would
1: make fun of him because every time Joe makes those same jokes, uh, he—it's the first time. You know, like every time he says the deer doesn't wear Kevlar, man. I think Joe just thought of that.
0: Yeah, because he has no idea he said it before. Because the dementia has really kicked in. Yeah, now uh,
1: what I would say to that, and I actually the first time I responded to this was when Congressman Eric Swalwell talked about using nuclear weapons <laughs> on Americans for, uh, for not turning in their guns. And it's like, okay, your voters live in the same neighborhood, Eric. I don't think you understand how nuclear bombs work. Um, I used to be a military contractor, and one of the jobs I did was uh, maintaining fighter jets. Uh, that was one of the contracts I worked on. And I'll tell you, those fighter jets, those advanced weapon systems, are separated by a chain-link fence from the people they expect to bomb them with. These people have no comprehension of, of what, they're, what they're playing with here. And I go into this into the book in great detail. The, logistically and historically speaking, there are lots of examples of why what they're talking about doesn't work. That's not how warfare works. Uh, and I use examples from the recent examples of the beginning of the Ukraine war. I talk about Afghanistan, Iraq, Vietnam. There are lots of uh, examples of how this actually works. And plus, they don't seem to realize, like I said, I was the guys keeping the wings from falling off the fighter jets. They don't realize who maintains and flies and runs these systems. Um, I go into this in the book a lot, too. I mean, the military they expect to use to just crush gun owners is a Venn diagram with gun owners. Yeah. Uh, and so I really, really wish that, that idiots like Joe Biden and Eric Swalwell would quit pushing that and quit talking about this so flippantly. They're talking about a civil war. They're talking about the dissolution of the country. Yeah. And I I talk about this in the book quite a bit, but the real meaning of the second amendment is not just defense against criminals, but it's defense against everything up to and including a tyrannical government. Uh, And that's what it's there for. It's the, it's the big red button on the constitution that we don't want to push. It's the insurance policy to keep a government from becoming truly uh, tyrannical. Uh, as long as you have an armed populace, you can only push so far, so fast. Yeah, and and I use examples from around the entire world and all throughout history. Tyrants always disarm the population. Always.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. We're speaking with Larry Correa. It is C O R R E I A. Uh, the new book is called "In Defense of the Second Amendment." What do you think about? Joe Biden's repeated insistence on the idea that you can't just go out and buy a cannon, and <laughs> and talking about AR-15s as weapons of war. Obviously, you can buy a cannon, right? Yeah, cannons are perfectly legal. You just you just need to jump through some
1: extra hoops, but you can own a cannon today. And it's funny because uh, they talk about how they, they, the the Second Amendment was never to let people have something like a cannon. Well, John Hancock and Sam Adams would, you know, beg to disagree since they owned them. (laughs) But uh, it's really interesting to me how they have this weapons of war argument now. They've tried to say that you shouldn't have weapons of war. There's no place for weapons of war on our street. Well, first off, the true meaning of the Second Amendment is to give the people weapons of war should we need them. That's it. Uh, We're supposed to have similar guns to the military. And in fact, we have multiple Supreme Court decisions now which reaffirm that if a gun is militia useful, it should be protected. If the gun is common, it should be protected. Uh, if it's useful to the people, it should be protected. So the whole weapons of war thing falls apart too because it, it's said by ignorant emotional people because they, okay, an AR 15 is a weapon of war. Okay, it's not really. It's a civilian legal version of, the, of an M4 carbine. But if they want to go down that road, uh, trying to appeal to emotion for people who think, well, they're going to take the AR-15s away, but they'll leave my hunting rifle or my duck shotgun. No, they won't. Um, because, and I go through this in the book, the most common hunting guns in America have been military rifles. They have been literal weapons of war. Even the revolver, uh, even the, the ultra-common uh, old-fashioned revolver was an aircrew defense weapon up until the Gulf War. Commonly used and issued air crews. Uh, Winchester Model 70s, uh, Remington 700s, those were those were sniper rifles, uh, including now. I mean, they're still issued M40s. Yeah. And so these things are, are all weapons of war. All, all Any gun can be used for war.
0: Yeah, well, no, no question about it. Um, on, on a slightly different note, something I think not enough patriotic Americans are aware of is red flag laws. What are red flag laws and how are they abused?
1: Yeah, so red red flag laws are extreme uh, restrictive protective orders. Um, How they work is that if you have someone, in in theory, how they work is, let's say you know someone who is dangerous, who's planning on doing something bad, and he's armed, uh, and he owns guns. You can call the police and say this guy is about to. I think this guy is about to do some harm, and then the police will come and raid his house and take his guns away. And the idea is, well, this will prevent the mass killers or, or the, the school shooters. That's the theory. Yeah. In reality, what happens uh, is this is giving license to the worst people you know to send a SWAT team to your house at three o'clock in the morning. Um, and we have seen repeated abuses. Uh, we've had all sorts of cases where the, the worst people you can imagine have weaponized this law against people. They don't like, uh, ex-wives angry at their ex-husbands, uh, employees who got fired, uh, putting it on their boss. Uh, we had a case in Colorado where, uh, a cop shot a guy in the line of duty. It was ruled a justifiable, justifiable shooting. And the mom of the guy who got shot put a red flag on the cop. Oh man. Um, yeah, it's it's nuts. It, it can be it's ripe for abuse, and then once you get this used against you, if you're an innocent person, you now got to spend a lot of money and time and uh, money on attorneys and go to court to try to prove your innocence, even though you've done nothing wrong, to get your rights back. It's, we've had stalkers, we've had stalkers file red flags against the women they're stalking.
0: Oh man! To
1: to, to disarm them, and this happens, and the thing is. Uh, even then, for the cases where, let's say, the guy really is violent, and really is dangerous, yeah. states already have the ability to, to, uh, to commit people who are a danger to themselves and others. Sure. Um, but they don't do it because it's messy. But let's say you red flag this guy who is actually disgruntled, and you took his guns away, he's still free. There's nothing stopping him from procuring another gun like most guns are, that are used in crime in America are stolen, or they're bought off the guy who stole them. So there's nothing stopping that guy from doing that or going to Home Depot and making a bomb or just driving his car through a parade or down the sidewalk. Wow. If he is truly dangerous, he's still free and he's not going to be any nicer after you had a SWAT team come to his house. So I, I think red flag laws are terrible. And I was so disappointed uh, in the, in the, in the Senate in the Republicans in the Senate who went along with passing federal funding for this nonsense. It's just, it was it was such a bad, bad idea.
0: Yeah, because up until recently, it was a state-by-state thing, and I think most states didn't have red flag laws, if I understand correctly. But then, uh, wasn't this part of a, a spending bill here within the past few months uh, that a handful of Republicans voted with the Democrats in the Senate to pass funding for some kind of national red flag law?
1: Yeah, it was. And so it was state-by-state basis, and it's still state-by-state, However, the feds are now funding it. So if the state didn't have one before and they want one, uh, our taxes are now going to pay to, uh, you know, screw over the uh, the, the stalkers, yeah. or screw, screw over the victims of stalkers. And, you know, it's it's ridiculous. And a bunch of Republicans went along with it because it's one of those emotional arguments. And so a lot of the GOP were scared to, like, actually stand up for it. And, and instead they're like, oh, yeah, this will this will get bad guys off the streets. No, no, it'll get good people hassled by by bad people, and it'll get bad guys' guns taken away, and they'll just go get more.
0: It's 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 ridiculous. And I think several of the Republicans in the Senate that voted for it were were not running for re-election anyway, and that's when you find out what kind of person you're you're really really dealing with there. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, so it, it's fascinating to me when you have one of these mass shootings um the media and not just the national media but somebody has trained local media uh to refer to a mass shooting as gun violence but i've noticed um with the four college kids that were just uh, brutally murdered in Moscow, Idaho in in the middle of the night Nobody's calling that knife violence, and I wonder why that is. Yeah, it's,
1: it's emotionally manipulative. They, uh, they take these uh, crimes and they try to label them in a way that they can file them neatly into different categories to get what they want. And I always see, and especially when I'm arguing with, like, Europeans or people from other countries, they'll be like, well, America is so violent, it has such a gun problem. No, and I go into this in the book. We don't have a gun problem. America doesn't have a gun problem at all. In fact, most of America is a really safe place. America has a handful of cities, and it has a handful of zip codes within those cities that have crazy high murder problems. And so when they try to paint this as like a gun culture issue, like, oh, well, Americans have so many guns, well, guess what? The places where Americans have all the guns are the safest places in America the places that are the most violent and the most uh, you're most likely to get murdered are the places with the most restrictive gun laws. And I, I don't get into, like, you know, the, the sociology of crime. That's way beyond the scope of this book about sure. gun rights. But we've got all these real serious problems in places around America, especially in our big blue cities. We've got these huge problems. And what do they blame? They blame, uh, you know, you, you, you have an AR-15 in Arkansas, and clearly that's why there there's so many murders in Chicago or New Orleans it's 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 really silly it's them passing the buck, and then it's them capitalizing on suffering of others to try to get what they want by by attacking their political enemies enemies it's 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 really really a dishonest ploy, but the media goes along with it, and so gun violence has become the the term of the day that they use
0: it's a go to and you mentioned- Shannon watts earlier the mom's demand action uh probably have encouraged. Uh, national and local media to to use that term. Um, a lot of people, I think, get into the media uh, because they want to affect change. They want to be change agents. They want to be uh, influencers. And this is, you know, they're, they're I guess taking one for the team.
1: Yeah, I would I would agree with that. They they they're very good at manipulating terms, and unfortunately, too many people on our side have for too long just let them determine the vocabulary. Of the, of the whole thing, that's how we wind up with, with nonsense words like assault weapons, gun violence. Um, also, too, they they they'll take a, something that's an agreed upon definition, like say mass killing or mass shooting, which was a thing that the like you know the FBI and police had for a long time, you know, criteria of what constituted that kind of crime. But then they change that whenever it's convenient for them. So they go on the news and say, well, there's been five thousand mass shootings in the U.S. It's because they, there's no, there's actually been like 12 or, or that year, not 500. They just lie and they twist and they turn and they, they tweak the definitions to fit whatever they want. And if words don't mean anything, it makes it almost impossible to argue with them because they just change whatever words mean. It, it, it's, it's super slippery and it's super dishonest.
0: Speaking of words not meaning anything, um, Joe Biden is once again – threatening to outlaw assault weapons. Do do we have any idea what he means by that?
1: Yeah, he basically wants to outlaw armed self-defense. Because when you get these people, because assault weapon is a term that actually had a real historical meaning to us gun nuts going back to the 1940s. But with Joe Biden, and and it really goes back to Bill Clinton is when they glommed onto this assault weapon thing. And they said, we're going to ban assault weapons. What does that mean? And they try to define it for you because you can't ban something unless you can't define it. Yeah. It always comes down to, like, guns that look scary. Um, and then when you delve into, like, what they actually try to ban, it comes down to, like, semi-automatics. Basically, magazine-fed semi-automatic guns. Well, here's the thing. Magazine-fed semi-automatic guns are the most common types of firearms used for defense. And all those guns we were talking about for uh, the protected classes from the Supreme Court, they fit. They, they are the protected guns. Um, so they give them a scary name and then they try to ban the guns that are the most common and effective for defensive use in the United States. Um, they put on a bunch of cosmetic features that don't make a lick of sense. They don't make the gun any more dangerous. Yeah. They don't make the gun any more powerful. Uh, A lot of them are just basically ergonomic changes. It's like that. I don't like how that is shaped. (laughs) (laughs) It it, it doesn't make a lick of difference.
0: It looks, Um, it looks scary. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's scary looking. And that's why in the gun community we started referring to uh, them as EBRs, which stands for Evil Black Rifle. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just a weird emotional manipulation thing. And so Joe Biden trotting out an assault weapons ban, um, it's just the same tired nonsense as before. We actually had a federal assault weapons ban back in the 90s. We had it for a decade. Uh, even the federal government, at the end of it, admitted that it did absolutely nothing. It changed no crime um, because the only people who care the only people who obey these rules are law abiding criminals criminals simply just don't care.
0: right. The Columbine shooting was during the time of the assault weapons ban and it and it wasn't the only one and yet and yet Biden will go out there and lie and say, "Hey, hey, we brought violent crime down." When I had the assault weapons ban, unfortunately, there was a 10-year a, a uh, sunset on it, but, you know, I want to bring it back and bring it back for good. And, um, you know, I know you don't get into the sociology very much, but people pushing this who know it's a lie, um, you've got to wonder sometimes why do they want more violence in our society?
1: They, they actually, I, the way I look at it is they, like they said, they're the vultures. They need violence. They need more suffering because they capitalize on it. They, they get sad when a mass killer gets shot by an armed, armed citizen in the first couple of seconds. Um, it upsets them. They always say the good guy with a gun is a myth, even though I provide in the book hundreds of examples and, send, and give you links to hundreds more. If, if you have a violent response against these bad guys and somebody stops them before it turns into a mass killing event, that's a good thing, right? All, all normal people would say, hey, good. A, a hero stepped in, shot the bad guy before he could kill anybody else. Awesome. Not politicians. They get upset. Uh, the, the, in the news media, they get upset. Like when there was that shooting in Indiana at the mall uh, at, at the end of last year, uh, yeah. this kid, Eli Dicken, he's a hero. Bad guy came in, started shooting. Within 15 seconds, this kid reacted, drew his gun from 40 plus yards away, shot the bad guy, approached, shot him some more, killed the guy, saved who knows how many lives because cops didn't get there for like five more minutes. Um, this kid's a hero. What did? How did the media react? Disgust. They were upset. They tried to make him out to be the bad guy. Uh, because the mall had a sign saying no guns allow, allowed, but underneath Illinois, or Indiana law, that, that sign didn't apply to him. He was good to go. He had a, he had, uh, Indiana had passed constitutional carry. He was allowed to carry his gun there. Um, but they And I go into this in the book. They tried to portray the kid, the hero, as a villain. They tried to make the guy who stopped the bad guy. I actually have quotes. I put quotes from these people in the book, from media people, and uh, uh, Moms Demand Action saying... Well, aren't isn't he just the same? They both brought a gun to the mall. Oh well, man! Clearly not. <laughs> They're clearly very different. One is a hero who saved lives, and the other was a murderer. Yet that's how that's how just profoundly evil and dishonest th- this argument is. Um, so yeah, I, I I I try go through and I dismantle uh, that, and I try to help people understand that this is how the pattern works. And you can watch it unfold in real time every time there is something that gets on the news.
0: Yeah, and it's amazing that that, um, the, the, the young fellow, the hero that stopped the shooting in that Indiana mall last year, even got much media publicity because I'll bet you the overwhelming majority of people in this country have never heard about the shooting at the Appalachian School of Law, January 16th, 2002, in Virginia, that was stopped uh, by a good guy with a gun. I bet you they've never heard about the, uh, the, the shooting at the, the Town Center Mall in Clackamas, uh, Oregon, on December 11th, 2012, where again, a good guy with a gun stopped the bad guy. Uh, these kinds of uh, situations usually don't get much play. Outside of very local media, and instead you have the gun grabbers saying, "Well, I thought a good guy with a gun would stop the bad guys." We saw what happened in Uvalde, Texas, at that school. Guess that's not true. What, what do you say to people like this?
1: Yeah, they. Uh, well, what I want to say I, uh, to them, I can't repeat on the radio. <laughs> but yeah, it's it, they, they. They just lie. They, yeah. they, lie their, they lie their butts off, and uh, they try to say that the good guy, uh, when they were trying to say that Uvalde approved, approved that a good guy with a gun couldn't do anything, what are they talking about? They banned the good guys with the gun in Uvalde. Uvalde was the state. It wasn't citizens. The, the, the state isn't the guy. The right. state is the state. And uh, the the leadership there, and, in fact, that was one of the things the lawyers at the publishing house maybe kind of like toned down a little bit in the book was like, I kind of went off about like Uvalde. Uh, And so I'll say that's allegedly the worst response of any law enforcement agency in modern history. Um, Oh yeah. I tacked allegedly on there (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) for the lawyers. Um, But no, they, they utterly failed. The state utterly failed to protect those kids. Um, It, it, there was the worst, most cowardly thing I have ever seen. And I've worked, like I said, 30 years, I've been doing this, I've worked a lot with law enforcement. I've done a lot of training stuff. That was the most cowardly thing I've ever seen in my life. I, I was, I was shocked and appalled. I was, I was disgusted to the core of my being. And like I said, within a week we had other events where armed citizen by themselves stepped up, shot a bad guy, showed more courage than that entire police department. Um, and at the same time, the government's out there telling us, well, we don't need armed citizens. We'll let the state protect you. 2020, Demonstrated to the world that in times of need, when your cities are on fire, you call 911, the cops are going to say, Sorry, we can't come. You're on your own. Good luck. Yeah. That's why 2020 had the greatest number of gun sales on record up to that time. Uh, it went nuts. People were standing in line to buy guns, uh, they were paying scalpers' prices. But the thing is, that wasn't me and my people. We don't pay them over MSRP. <laughs> Us gun nuts, we've got ours.
0: Right, exactly. Exactly. We're so, s-
1: I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, but, and and so those are all new people who just realize the state can't protect you. And so those are the people we need to be reaching out to and bringing them in and training them and getting them like, knowledgeable on the subject. Because, um, yeah, we're you are your own first responder.
0: Absolutely. Uh, speaking of Larry Correa, the uh, new book is called In Defense of the Second Amendment. It's out on Regnery. Available wherever fine books are sold, or you can get it online. Uh, before I let you uh, go, brother Korea, what can we do to get more people armed, trained, and involved? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually that's that's what I closed
1: the book on. Is is like what can we do? You know, honestly, the biggest thing is as uh, uh, as a group of people, as a community, we need to reach out to others, take those people to the range, uh, remove the mystery. You know, teach. Teach these people. It's like, hey, man, you're you're kind of into guns. You're thinking about getting a gun for home defense. Come with me. Let's, let's go down to the gun store. I'll help you out. I'll walk you through this process. Come down shoot shoot my guns. So I'll bring my guns down to the range. Let's shoot together. Um, it's stuff like helping people find training. It's, it's stuff like helping people find good firearms instructors. Uh, teaching kids. I think a lot of conservatives over recent years, they get scared. They're like, oh, no, if I teach my kids, then... Uh, They're going to say that I'm like arming school shooters or I'm like uh, teaching kids dangerous things and they get all ashamed and embarrassed. It's like, no, this is, this is part of your American heritage. The second amendment is for everybody. Reach out to your friends, reach out to your family, reach out to your kids and, and teach them and help them get better at this stuff and be welcoming. And you know what? The gun community, uh, the gun, the gun culture over the years I've been doing this, it went from kind of like insular and cliquish and, very much, oh, you can take those black rifles away as long as I get to keep my hunting and shotgun. That's dead. That's dead and gone. Those guys have died off. And now, really, the gun culture is more like, hey, man, Second Amendment is for everybody. I don't care who you are. Let's get you taught. Let's get you trained. Let's get you out there exercising your rights. And uh, I, I hope this book helps. I, I hope it helps kind of move the needle on the debate. So I hope. I, so far, it seems like it's doing pretty good.
0: Excellent, excellent, fantastic. Well, we wish you Godspeed, uh, Larry Correa, that's C-O-R-R-E-I-A, and the new book is In Defense of the Second Amendment. Uh, brother Correa, as we say here in the South, y'all come see us.
1: <laughs> I love Arkansas. It's a great place.
0: <laughs> All right, God bless you, brother. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, um, we got new developments coming up about under Biden straight ahead as the Doc Washburn show continues. Look, if you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Auto comes in. Red River Auto is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including the freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you. No matter where you are, Red River Auto wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. Red River Auto Group has perfected the online buying process. Just go to redriverauto.com, pick from hundreds of new and used vehicles. You can purchase your vehicle online, and if you have any questions, one of Red River's trained experts We'll help you through the whole process. Red River Auto makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live in the continental USA. RedRiverAuto.com. You will be glad you did. Now, as you know, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by simply creating my pillow, the best pillow ever. Mike also created the best bed sheets ever. They look great, they feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me, which is crucial for my busy schedule. My wife and I just love sleeping on our Giza Dreams bed sheets. Now, Mike Lindell is offering the best deal on his Giza Dreams sheets. You can get a set of Giza Dreams bed sheets for as low as 29.98. The first night you sleep on these sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else again. Mike is making a special offer for my listeners. You can get a you can get a set of Giza Dreams bed sheets for as low as 29.98 just by using promo code DWS and right now, a set of pillowcases for only nine ninety eight. In this economy, instead of buying a brand new bed, rejuvenate your bed with a My Pillow mattress topper for as low as ninety nine ninety nine. My pillow also has blankets in a variety of sizes, colors and styles, like plush, waffle or gossamer for as low as twenty nine ninety eight. Get huge discounts on duvets, quilts, down comforters, and so much more. Use that promo code DWS and you'll get huge discounts on all my pillow bedding, including my pillow Giza Dreams bed sheets for just twenty nine ninety eight. Now I'm wearing my new my slippers moccasins. I had no idea slippers could feel this good. For that matter, I had no idea I could wear them anywhere, including outside in fifteen degree weather with no socks and my feet not get cold. Right now, you can save up to $90 on my slippers, slip-ons, and moccasins, marked down to just $49.98 by using promo code DWS. Not only that, Mike is having the biggest closeout sale ever on his sandals and slides for as low as nineteen ninety-eight. What makes my slippers different is Mike's exclusive four-layer design that you're not going to find in any other slippers. My slippers' patented layers make them ultra-comfortable, Extremely durable, and they help reduce stress on your feet. Wear them anytime, anywhere. Now remember to use that promo code DWS. Mike Lindell's other passion is to support American entrepreneurs and bring manufacturing back to our country. For years, people approached Mike with great products but had no way of marketing them. MyStore.com was created to give those people a voice and a platform to bring you their amazing products made right here in the USA. MyStore.com has all kinds of great deals on automotive products, bath and beauty, books and video, clothing, decor items, food and drink, garden and patio, health, home improvement, household essentials, kitchen and dining, personal care, sports and outdoors, toys and games, and so much more. But for the deals on MyStore.com, or MyPillow.com. you got to make sure to use promo code DWS. Now remember, that promo code does not stand for washed-up Democrat Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz. No, 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 no. It stands for Doc Washburn Show. MyPillow.com and MyStore.com. Quantities are extremely limited at these amazing prices, so please order now. Just use promo code DWS. Hunter Biden Now he's the uh he's the smartest guy that Dementia Joe knows, right? Hunter Biden Now I want to share with you this uh, I found out about this from the Marco Polo guy Marco Polo USA.org. Marco Polo is the guy that first put Hunter Biden's laptop out there on the Internet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you want to see Hunter Biden's laptop, you go to Marco Polo USA.org. So he's got a link to a Substack article from a guy named Mike McCormick, and it is entitled... Hunter secretly aboard Air Force Two to Ukraine with Joe, according to the emails. So let's check this out, shall we? Joe Biden violated federal law in 2017 when as vice president, he secretly took his son Hunter along with him for his final White House trip to Kiev, Ukraine and Davos, Switzerland two locations where father and son could have potentially met business contacts then involved in their illegal kickback schemes. This is revealed by the Biden laptop emails. Malfeasance in office is the crime of a public official, in this case the vice president of the United States, using his office for the personal financial gain of himself or his family. That crime is investigated by a grand jury, as indicated in 18 U.S. Code 3333. Joe Biden is currently under investigation by Special Prosecutor Robert Herr, who will soon impanel such a grand jury. Yeah, this Robert Herr guy who got named, what, a month ago? He hasn't even started work yet. Anyway, I digress. The revelation that Joe and Hunter visited the scenes of their crimes possibly to tie up loose ends and where they may have come into possession of classified documents relating to those crimes should now become part of the evidence Robert Herr presents to the grand jury. Now, Biden's lawyers last week revealed he was allegedly storing Ukraine-related classified documents at the Penn Center, or should we call it the Penn-Biden Center, for diplomacy and global engagement in Washington, D.C. Additional documents were found in the garage of a house he owned and Hunter had access to in Wilmington, Delaware. Now, with the discovery that Hunter accompanied Papa Joe to Ukraine only days before the pair returned to private life in Wilmington, Delaware, questions arise as to whether those documents were related to that father-son trip. My recent search on Marco Polo USA's publicly accessible website, bidenlaptopemails.com, for Biden and Davos, yielded the following email written by Hunter to a New York friend indicating he may be accompanying dad to Kiev, Ukraine, then Davos. And there's a screenshot here in the article of the email. Let's see. It says, um, hi, let's nail this down. How about Friday the 13th in the AM? That's from somebody called, uh, Beth Buccini and it gives her address and phone number in New York city. Hunter responds. I may be going to Kiev then Davos with dad. I'll check tomorrow. Any other times work? And this is uh, December 30th, 2016. And she emails back, I'm going to check with Kathy at my dad's office now about dates, and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Love you. And says, Perfect. Rob and I headed to Miami kid-free for the night. Woo-hoo. Here's to a great 2017. Love y'all. Eh, it's really chummy, isn't it? So, Mike McCormick continues after the screenshot of the email. He says, I refer to this as a secret trip because this email authored by Hunter is the first instance I, who was then working for Joe Biden as his White House stenographer, learned that Hunter accompanied Joe. Wait, this guy was in the Obama White House working as a stenographer with Joe Biden? Oh, I didn't know that. He says, neither I nor any journalists went with Joe Biden aboard Air Force Two. Thus, Hunter's travels were hidden from public view, even as the public was paying for them. Why does this not surprise me? He says, to my knowledge, Hunter's presence on this White House trip has never previously been disclosed. But Joe's staffers at the time certainly knew because on January 3rd, 2017, He gave them the task of assisting Hunter with getting a quickie quickie passport and visas through the White House Travel Office. Here's one of a series of emails, again, searchable on bidenlaptopemails.com. Between Hunter, his executive assistant, Joan Meyer, Joe Biden's then executive assistant, In his West Wing office, Kathy Chung, boy, there's a name that keeps on coming up, Kathy Chung. We've talked about her in previous episodes. And White House Travel Office employees. So he's got another screenshot of another email here. He says, Joe Biden's former staffers, Anne-Marie Muldoon, though her email address reflects her maiden name of person instead of Muldoon, and Sam Salk are also copied in the chain, which culminates with Hunter's reply Two or three. Both ex-staffers, then, are potential witnesses for a grand jury questioning about Hunter's hush-hush trip to Ukraine with Joe Biden. Well, we hear this Robert Hur guy, the special counsel, looking into Biden. He is pretty partisan, so you wonder if he's going to really get into much of the stuff. That, that's just me digressing once again. The trail of evidence continues into Davos, Switzerland. Further emails between Hunter and Paul Laudachina of consulting firm A.T. Kearney, dating from January 5th through the 12th, indicate that uh, Laudacina's desire to work with Hunter to set up an additional speaking opportunity for Joe Biden to discuss his cancer moonshot at the World Economic Forum. At one point in the email chain, Hunter responds to Laudacina's suggestions with working on it. Now, for years, Joe Biden had a close association with with A.T. Kearney, and frequently cited their survey of business leaders in his speeches. Laudacina offers to fill the crowd with CEOs from such blue-ribbon companies as Dow DuPont, Nestle, Walmart, Coca-Cola, BASF, Reliance Industries, Siemens, Facebook, Amazon, and any you might wish to add. While there were no further emails between the two and the one below, Joe did give a last-minute speech on the cancer moonshot to a World Economic Forum audience on Tuesday, January 17th. Mike McCormick here says, I called Paul Laudacino for his eyewitness confirmation that Hunter was in Davos and have not heard back yet. I also sent him the following email, also no reply. Hopefully he'll get back to me. We can go on the record. And here's the email. Hi, Paul, I'm writing a substack regarding information I came across in a Hunter Biden laptop in which you emailed him to propose hosting a cancer moonshot event in Davos in 2017. Other emails indicate Hunter was on that trip, and that's news. Please be advised as I report this out, you may be called to be a witness in the grand jury investigation of Joe Biden recently announced by the Justice Department. I'd be happy to interview you on the record for your confirmation That Hunter Biden was on that trip with his dad. Thanks, Mike McCormick. Midnight in the laptop of good and evil substack. That's funny. Yeah, I'm not surprised he didn't hear back from this guy. He says on Wednesday morning, January 18th, 2017, Joe Biden gave the keynote address to the World Economic Forum. I'll have more on that on my next substack. He then returned to Washington, D.C. to attend President Trump's inauguration on Friday, January 20th, returning to Wilmington later that day to the house where documents were recently discovered. Hunter, at that time, was a well-paid board member of Ukrainian natural gas conglomerate Burisma Holdings, which had for years directly benefited from energy assistance Joe Biden arranged for them. i previously reported Hunter and Devin Archer, also a Burisma board member, met with Joe Biden at his West Wing office days before they traveled, no, days before he traveled to Ukraine on April 21st, 2014, with the first tranche of American taxpayer dollars that benefited Burisma. And he's got the link to that Substack article entitled Joe Biden Coordinated with Hunter and Archer on Burisma and Metabiota Deals. No, wait, because I thought Joe Biden always said, I've never spoken to my son about his off, uh, overseas uh, business deals. You don't think Joe Biden might be prevaricating, do you? Well, I, I, I'm transmogrified up in here. My stars and goddess, I can't believe... Oh my goodness. So, Mike McCormick, former White House stenographer in the Obama White House on Substack, continues here. He says also mentioned in that Substack and doing work in Ukraine was bio warfare contractor Metabiota which billed itself as the pandemic predictor. I've also written extensively about Joe and Hunter's kickback scheme with that firm, Metabiota. That relationship began days after Hunter accompanied Joe to China, also aboard Air Force Two, in December 2013. Metabiota was then doing infectious disease research with gain-of-function proponent, Eco Health Alliance at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Gee, I wonder. You know, this sounds so familiar. I, I'm I'm racking my brain here. Gain of function research, Eco Health Alliance, Wuhan Institute of Virology. Do you think? Maybe, possibly. Nah. Anyway, Mike McCormick continues. It was after a long, suspicious meeting between Joe and Xi Jinping that Hunter began investing aggressively in Metabiata. He says, so on this suspicious trip to Ukraine and Davos, Switzerland, with Hunter in tow, who does Joe sit down with? None other than his old partner in corruption, Xi Jinping, head of the Chinese Communist Party. Much more on this to come. Stay tuned. And then he says, thanks to my association with marcopolousa.substack.com, I'll be writing about information gleaned from the verified Biden laptop and other sources. I appreciate all my subscribers, and I'm adding more and more each day. If you're not already, please consider becoming a paid subscriber. Each paid subscription to my Substack includes a signed copy of my book, Joe Biden Unauthorized, and the 2020 crack-up of the Democratic Party, and it's a huge help to my efforts to publish the evidence that will impeach Joe Biden. Man, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be phenomenal? Yeah, I didn't realize Marco Polo had a, a substack. I know about marcopolousa.org I'm I'm aware of that. And I know about bidenlaptopemails.com. I'm aware of that, but he's actually got a Substack. That is phenomenal. Okay, um something I keep on meaning to mention to you do you recall a social media platform called Parlor? P A R L E R. And do you recall when it was basically taken down? Yeah, when it, when it was when it was taken down. Well, I think we might have um uh, I think we might have discovered why it was taken down. Parlor. I've got an article. I put it on um, my personal Facebook page. I also link to it on my Doc Washburn Show Facebook page. It's called What Parlor Saw During the Attack on the Capitol. Now, I've, I've got three likes. And one share from putting it on the Doc Washman Show Facebook page. And this was a Tuesday at five forty six in the morning, so over twenty four hours ago. You ever get the feeling that when you post something controversial on Facebook, you're being shadow banned? Well, you get that feeling because you are being shadow banned. Yeah, right about the same time I put it on my uh, personal Facebook page, the Doc Washington Facebook page, I got one share and I got three likes. That's it. So since Facebook is shadow banning me, I need to tell you what this is about. What Parler saw during the attack on the Capitol, warning this story contains videos that viewers may find disturbing. And it's over at uh, ProPublica, a nonprofit newsroom that investigates abuses of power. And I just tell you, I mean, they they tend to lean left. So I'm shocked that they were were willing to do this. Here's what it says. And again, they're left-wing. So as supporters of President Donald Trump took part in a violent riot at the Capitol, users of the social media service Parler posted videos of themselves and others joining the fray. ProPublica reviewed thousands of videos uploaded publicly to the service, Parler, that were archived by a programmer before Parler was taken online by its web host. Below is a collection of more than 500 videos that ProPublica determined were taken during the events of January 6th and were relevant and newsworthy. Taken together, they provide one of the most comprehensive records of a dark event in American history through the eyes of those who took part. Read more, and they link to this article entitled, Why We Published Hundreds of Videos Taken by Parlor Users of the Capitol Riots, And then another one called Inside the Capitol Riot, What the Parlor Videos Reveal. And it says, videos are ordered by the time they were taken. Scroll down to start watching or click on the timeline to jump to any point in the day. So, you know, we talk a lot about the fact that Nancy Pelosi has kept hidden 14,000 hours of closed-circuit, security camera video at the Capitol on January 6, 2021. But nobody talks about the fact that ProPublica on January 17, 2021, just 11 days after January 6, put over 500 videos taken by people who were there online. I didn't know about this until recently. So, you don't have to remember projects.propublica.org slash parlor-capital-videos. All you have to do is go to my Facebook page, either the personal Doc Washburn page or the Doc Washburn Show Facebook page, and you can see what happened that day. You can see videos of Capitol Hill Police shooting tear gas and flashbang grenades into a crowd of peaceful protesters. You can see them trying to foment a riot. So I just thought I should share that with you. Crazy world we live in. I've been talking about how the world's going crazy with supply chain issues, record-setting inflation, and sky-high gas prices, and woke corporations that stand against everything we believe in. Now, we all know how the big box stores were allowed to stay open all during the pandemic, while so many little guys, small business owners, regular people, were forced to close. The wealthiest people on earth became better off, while mom-and-pop businesses suffered. The question is, what are we willing to do about it? How can our voices be heard? Well, we can make a difference by voting with our dollars. Why continue shopping at big box stores if you can get the items you need from a family-owned company. Now, finally, we can shop factory direct at a family-owned, made-in-America manufacturer. SwitchToAmerica.com is helping Americans walk away from the big-box conglomerates. That's why Switch to America was created with regular folks like you and me in mind. One of the best ways to get around this crazy inflation is to shop with family-owned companies that put their customers first rather than shareholders and corporate executives. Now, a lot of patriot influencers have come on board Switch to America. I'm inviting you to join with fellow patriots to cut off the cash flow of the big, woke corporations that are trying to destroy our country. We're done with a woke, globalist operation against humanity. Each of us can take market share away from these businesses that have enjoyed unfair advantages. We can choose to help each other by shopping family-owned, made in America. The website, switch dot americacom Join with over 2 million monthly shoppers that have already made the switch. Let's start voting with our dollars to make sure our purchases are supporting companies that promote freedom. And now an even more exciting addition is fresh American-raised beef. Raised in the mountains of Montana, Near Yellowstone, this beef is known as never, ever. Never has the animal ever been exposed to antibiotics, hormones, or vaccines. This prime or high-choice beef is shipped directly to your door. Pricing and availability is exclusive only to our members and isn't shipped anywhere else in the world. SwitchToAmerica.com is dedicated to offering family-owned alternatives for items we buy on a regular basis. Just go to SwitchToAmerica.com. When it ask you how you heard about us, click on my name, Doc Washburn, plug in your info, and I'll have one of my guys contact you. SwitchToAmerica.com. All right, I want to tell you about the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo? How about problems with your blood sugar, eczema, psoriasis, migraines? Well, the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center might be able to help you even if you don't live in Arkansas. Let me tell you how. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, or C1, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens, your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it's designed to do. I had severe hay fever for five or six weeks every spring all my life. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away, and it's never come back. I had serious migraines year-round all my life. When I got my atlas adjusted, the migraines went away, and they haven't come back either. Again, if you're suffering from sinus conditions, allergies, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, eczema, psoriasis, migraines, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation. They've helped me. They've helped my wife. They've helped so many people we know. Please call them to see if they can help you. That number again for your free consultation, 501-279-2009. Or just go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, click on the tab that says Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. Now, would you like to save money on your monthly cell phone bill while doing the right thing? Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier. Now more than ever, it's important to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage and uses the same towers the main carriers use. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget along with great discounts for our veteran and first responder heroes as well as multi-line users. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're shifting your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. When you become a Patriot Mobile member, your dollars are helping to fund our God-given right to freedom. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Switching is easy. All you have to do is do what I do. Do what I did. Just go to PatriotMobile.com or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. Make sure you use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. Now, while we're at it, if you're a conservative-owned business, tired of seeing your hard-earned dollars go to corporate woke agendas, Patriot Mobile now offers competitive business plans to sue companies of any size. Switch to Patriot Mobile Business. Learn more at business.patriotmobile.com. Or call their 100% U.S.-based member services team at 469-FREEDOM. Use promo code DOC. That's D-O-C for free activation. That's business.patriotmobile.com. Or just call 469-FREEDOM. All right. I think it's about that time. Hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Don Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by Red River Auto. Red River Auto is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV. Of your choice, the way you want to, online, and have it delivered to your front door. Anywhere in the continental USA. All right. This was pretty cool. Kevin McCarthy, brand new Speaker of the House, is getting hassled by a typical NPR reporter about kicking Eric Swalwell and Adam Schiff of the House Intelligence Committee. And you know what? He's not having it
2: well let me be very
0: he's got elected by
2: his district so okay let, let me be very clear and respectful to you you ask me a question when i answer it it's the answer to your question you don't get to determine whether i answer your question or not okay in all respect thank you no no let's answer her question you just raised a question. I'm going to be very clear with you. The Intel Committee is different. You know why? Because what happens in the Intel Committee, you don't know. What happens in the Intel Committee other the secrets that are going on in the world... Other members of Congress don't know. What did Adam Schiff do as the chairman of the Intel Committee? What Adam Schiff did, use his power as a chairman and lie to the American public. Even the inspector general said it. When Devin Nunes put out a memo, he said it was false. When we had a laptop, he used it before an election to be politics and say that it was false and said it was the Russians. When he knew different, when he knew the Intel, if you talk to... Um, committee, but he will not serve on intel because it goes to the National Security of America. And I will always put them first. Alright? And if you want to talk about Swalwell, let's talk about Swalwell. Because you have not had the briefing that I had. I had the briefing and Nancy Pelosi had the briefing from the FBI. The FBI never came before this Congress to tell the leadership of this Congress that Eric Swalwell had a problem with a Chinese spy until he served on intel. So it wasn't just us who were concerned about it. The FBI was concerned about putting a member of Congress on the intel committee that has the rights to see things that others don't because of his knowledge and relationship with a Chinese spy. They brought it to the works of the leaders. I've got that briefing. So I do not believe he should sit on that committee. And I believe there's 200 other Democrats that can serve on that committee. So this has nothing to do with Santos. Santos is not on the Intel Committee. But you know what? Those voters elected Shift, even though he lied. Those voters elected Swalwell, even though he lied to the American public too. So you know what? I'll respect his voters too and they'll serve on committees. But they will not serve on a place that has national security reverence because integrity matters to me. That's the the answer to your question.
0: Brother's on fire, isn't he? I'm impressed. Now, let me just say something. There were a number of conservative talk show hosts who were freaking out that there was a small number of Republicans in the House that were holding out for concessions. They were freaking out that the election speaker of the House went to was it fifteen or sixteen ballots? Went on over several days. Well, it sounds like the holdouts got the concessions that they wanted. And that's a good that's a good thing. You've been listening to episode three thirty of the all new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washman Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washman Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansur's Computer Solutions, seventh floor of the Ephemeral B Smooth Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansur Sempier the tenth. that's the way it is. Wednesday, january twenty fifth, twenty twenty three.